Welcome to The Kid Is In School, where we talk about whatever we want since our kid is not here to interrupt us. But we don't have a lot of time before the bell rings, so let's get right into it. Let's talk about comedy. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things. Okay, look, there's only bad things. <laughs> there's lots of good things. No, there are plenty of good things. In fact, we just got back from Boston, from Laugh Boston, the comedy club, and there we did this wonderful set of shows that were both sold out, produced by Vicki Cooperman and Max Cohen, a married couple. And the show itself was called Love is a Joke. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, was, it was actually a really amazing set of shows. Uh, they, they were there all week. They invited different couples to perform on different nights. And we were Saturday. Two shows sold out completely. And I want to talk about what makes the shows good. Not just sold out. Great audiences. They came to laugh. The producers couldn't be more accommodating. Like they understand our needs. And the club too. The club is co-producing essentially. It, you know, it, people... You know, they don't have to know too much about the nuts and bolts, but a club, a club books the comedians. Mm -hmm. They book different comedians or different acts, different shows every week. And so the club had booked uh, Love is a Joke, the tour, for this week. And putting the comics together, the lineups and everything was Vicky and Max. And the, but the club itself is just really well run. Great staff, great owner. Um, by the way, they don't. They might not want to know about the nuts and bolts, but I think they want to know about these nuts <laughs> and bolts. Um, and also, the accommodations were lovely. Uh, I think a lot of the audience has heard of the famed comedy condo. Sometimes a club will put you up in a separate space called the comedy condo. And then, you know, back in the 90s, condos were kind of known to be gross. I, I would venture to say that the, almost all of our audience has no idea what we're talking about. I would say they don't know about I the I wanted them condo. to feel like they knew what they're yeah. talking about. And then those who didn't would be like, well, at least I'm initiated. You know what I mean? So I don't want to tell them they don't know what they're talking about. I don't about. know. I, well, I'm not telling them You anything. treat them differently telling, than I do. Well, because I just know after, and you know this too, like just we are, interact with a lot of people and that are not in the comedy world. Mm -hmm. And what is common knowledge to comedians. I think sometimes they're like, oh, I had no idea. But I just explained it in my yes. explanation. So you can just kind of go along with it. Try yes-anding me on this episode, if you will, instead of just interrupting and disagreeing. Because I know that when someone else says, hey, I think about trying stand-up sometime, you always go, don't do it. You're probably not any good. That's what you say in your head. And I always tell them out loud, definitely try it, because then they'll know how hard it is. You know what I mean? So we have a different approach, I guess, to the, the common man when it comes to comedy. Yeah, well, maybe. I think that... I like to include everybody, whether they're part of it or not. And you like to be like, no, this, you don't get it, so just stay in your lane. Well, I think that there's just the element of people don't know a lot of things. There's only so much room in our brains for, for knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so comedy knowledge we've we spent so much time in the world we have filled our brains with comedy knowledge about everything from on stage to off stage and the business and everything in it and th those people out there the audiences they don't have any room in their brains for that they're thinking about other things they're thinking about world events they're thinking about their similarly families. i don't know a thing about what it's like to be a doctor and when my friend first became a doctor he wrote on facebook had to pronounce my first patient today and i said congratulations way to go <laughs> and everybody else was like oh i'm so sorry and then he wrote underneath my comment lol that means a person died yeah and i was like i knew that yeah it's oh yeah. crap i yeah i get what did you think pronounce meant well 
you can pronounce someone husband and wife. So when he said that. my first, I think I just was like, oh, you're first. Well, good for you. I didn't. Re- if he had said I pronounced my first patient dead, then I would have said, oh, that's tough. <laughs> LOL. LOL. <laughs> yeah. But way to go. Yes. So yeah, not everybody knows about comedy, but back to the accommodations. I just want to tell everybody that this hotel had a suite, an ambassador suite that was bigger than our apartment. It I, truly I just, was. <laughs> I've never, I'm not really impressed by most stuff. I'm like, hey, I've seen that on TV. But in real life, I was like, wow. I think I said that when I walked in. Yeah, well, wow. I, I didn't understand the scope of it when we walked in because... <laughs> That's true. It just kept on going. Yes. I have been in, I've been put up in hotels uh, by different comedy clubs over the years. And a lot of times... You'll walk in, and if it's one of those like Holiday Inn Expresses, there might be the kitchen type of place. Right, a suite has a, a suite. kitchen. You're right, so they've got the kitchenette. They've got a, a couch or something like that, maybe a little desk. Well, we opened the door, and the, the first thing I saw was, oh, there's a couch in here. But you couldn't completely see because there's a half wall right when you walk, open the door. So mm-hmm. you don't see what most of it is. You just kind of see over to the left. Oh, there's a couch. We walked into that room and it was enormous. And it's like a corner uh, of the building. Right. So you, it's just windows on windows both sides. all over. Night sky twinkling. We're on the 15th floor. I'm Tony Stark over here. Yes. We're seeing all of downtown Boston. And it was amazing and then we're like i don't even know because there's different doors leading to different places mm-hmm. i'm like i don't even know where the bedroom is in here there was a separate side bathroom which i would call that's your number two bathroom yes. that's where everybody can go have a private time and not disturb anyone taking a bath you know what i mean yeah there yes th- just to fully explain the the number two bathroom which was four number twos it was the size... They all got that, by the way. Yes. Well, I just want to make sure it's very clear. I didn't mean the second bathroom. Yes. It's, <laughs> it, but it was the size of a norm, what the normal bathroom would be in a hotel room. Like, that was what a normal bathroom looks like. It just didn't have a shower in it. Right. So, you find that one and you go, oh, great. We didn't get a shower. Oh, yes. well. <laughs> then we go to the bathroom, I mean, to the bedroom area where that had a full-on bath shower toilet double sinks and lots of space in between those things yeah that's what really differentiates this bathroom from normal hotel bathrooms is that everything wasn't cramped up next to each other right and it had me thinking about italian bathrooms now it's been a while since i've been to italy i think it was 2003 the last time i went but i specifically remember in the hotels and the hostels the shower is essentially a a shower head that protrudes from a wall but there's nothing indicating a shower otherwise so it's right next to a sink there's toilet paper exposed it's just a corner of the room you know they kind of just threw one in there and so i just thought like do italians come to america and see an actual enclosed space for a shower with doors and a you know raised tile floor and go mamma mia (laughs) that's exactly what they do i should ask them yeah. The the few remaining Italian friends I have, I should be like, have you guys ever seen our bathrooms? Like in movies. <laughs> you ever see Scarface? And while someone's getting murdered in that shower, go, that's a lot of space to get murdered in. <laughs> By the way, are the Italian friends that you have, Mario and Chef Borardi? That's that what... second one was, I took the accent away just to be respectful. <laughs> <laughs> Italian accent is definitely one that you don't have to be as respectful with. Chef like, Borardi's a real Italian person, by the way. Well, I'm I, not the cartoon that's on the can anymore. <laughs> That's 
<laughs> is he a cartoon? The Quaker Oats Man is a cartoon. Well, he's trying to look I like assumed, George Washington. I, he looked like a founding father, so he I don't did. know. <laughs> he's got a powdered wig on, or and maybe it's just the it's an oat colored wig. <laughs> and so they, yeah, it's 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 just a. It's a glorious thing. It, it felt like, wow, this is amazing. Unfortunately, we didn't get to spend as much time there as we had hoped. That was the tragedy. I know. We were in and out, like zip, zap, zap. I know. That's that's part of the thing, too, is that not every friends and family don't always understand. They think, oh, you're going to Boston. Oh, we could go sightseeing. Maybe I'll come along on the trip or, you know, whatever. Yeah, wouldn't that be fun, though? And, and it's like, it would be fun, but that's not the way this works, is Mm-mm. that we had no downtime. We got our rental car. We drove there, which we got... We got hosed on this one. We got a Tesla, which not not on purpose. That's not what I reserved. It's just the only car they had left, and this Tesla would not charge past fifty percent. So we had to drop. drop like I didn't understand that at times. all. It wasn't even like I would blame a Tesla. It's like I blame the car battery. Like why won't it get a good charge? I don't, or all the chargers <laughs> available were really weak. I don't know. I feel like there must have been some sort of setting I don't know about. It's, it was very <laughs> difficult. It's it's a when you're in a hurry with things and you have a tight window, you do not want to have to like fiddle through settings and an owner's manual and Google and YouTube, how to like get your battery to charge faster. It, it just, you need it to just work. And so I'm noticing in electric car commercials, they're trying to sit, speak to that. Like you may be afraid that the battery's going to run down, but guess what? Our batteries don't like, I've seen several different car companies kind of speak to they this. Get Kevin Bacon to tell us about the Kevin car. Bacon's dancing on top of one. And then we get one. And that is truly the issue. And it really leaves us high and dry a couple times. Like we almost were late to the show. We almost didn't get back to the return of the rental in time. Yeah. You know, it's you know just to give an idea, Boston to New York City is a from where we were located to where we we're located is a three and a half hour drive when there's no traffic. So like Sunday morning when we're coming home, there's three and a half hours. It took us five, almost almost five and a half hours to get back. We should have jogged there. Yes. <laughs> Just stopping and like going, oh, this car's, the battery's low again. And not that anyone needs to know this, but trying to find a charger in a very confusing parking lot is also a pain. Oh. It's like that Seinfeld episode of the parking lot. We, like, were, we were in a parking garage. Yeah, that's that, what I meant. Garage. At, um, I think maybe the Javits Center. It's So the, we had to go drive to where I think either the Celtics play or somebody plays there. And we had to... I've never Go, been in a just, more confusing garage. It was well. The thing is, the, what made it confusing was everything looked the same. There was no cars in it, and there was no easily accessible ramps to the other levels. Mm-hmm. So it looks like we go in and I saw, we found a janitor and we were like, is there a Tesla chargers here? It says on the car, it's telling us to come charge the car here. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I think it's on the second level. We drove around looking to like how to get up there. We finally got out and just went up a staircase or an elevator and to the And you were next just level. running. You were like, you know what? You stay here because I wasn't walking fast enough for you. You just started jogging. I jogged to multiple. <laughs> I went to every end and I'm like, I don't see how to get to this Because next you level. were really worried the battery would run down. Yeah, it was at it was, 1%. If that died there, 
we wouldn't even be able to get to another level. In hindsight, I wonder, was that guy trying to be helpful or was he just getting the only amusement he can get out of a day? You know what I mean? He barely sees anybody and uh, and we're interrupting his work. No, so well, he's like, you know what you need to do. On the top level where goes the wrong way. eventually he came up with his with the with the garbage he was collecting and saw us there charging finally. So You know, I do give people wrong directions in New York City a lot because I want to be helpful. But then I realize after they walk away from me, like, oh, shoot, it's actually the other way. And if I can catch them, I tell them, but by then they're just like, you know what, ma'am, you're too confusing. I'm going to ask somebody uh, I had else. somebody do that thing where it was an older man in a truck just on the street. I have my noise canceling headphones. I'm walking the dog and <laughs> I just- trying to cancel out the city. I know. And he's yelling at me and I, I, I take off my headphones. I go, what's that? And he goes, Chinatown. You know, and I'm like, Chinatown, Manhattan, because we're in Brooklyn. There's a Chinatown, Brooklyn as mm-hmm. well. And he goes, yeah. yes. And I go- well, first of all, we're not even in the right borough. You're on the wrong island right now. So uh, you're I'm gonna like, need a bridge, sir. So this, these are the most complex directions I can give him as he's trying to, he's waiting at the light and it's turning green. I go, just drive up to Atlantic and go left. Uh-huh. And that's. Yeah, and then good, he can look for main major signs. Right. There. Good luck. That's I mean, nice. go, go find the Manhattan Bridge, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> But he was old enough where it's like, this guy clearly does not use Google. He has no maps. The truck was older. So he's the guy probably unfolding a paper map and trying to figure this whole thing out. Wow. Well, he'll probably ask seven more people on the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like he drove from someplace else and didn't mean to be in Brooklyn. He meant to be in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you are in the you're not even close to where you need to be. So yeah. unless I hop in the car with you, you ain't going to get there. Now, but. do you ask for directions and you're in a strange town? Do you drive in a lot of strange towns? Very rarely because I have uh, Google Maps. So oh. there's no reason to do that now. Well, the- I can't read a Google Map, so I always ask directions, <laughs> especially if I'm on foot in Manhattan. I'm like, which way is Wooster? Yeah, Wait, I- do we have a Wooster? I was just, we just left Boston, so I'm thinking about <laughs> Worcester, which is like Worcester. Uh, Worcester. I don't know. I don't know every street. Here. Anyway, I'm trying to think of a street down in uh, that one neighborhood. I don't know. You could just pick an avenue. There's tons of those. I know where they are. You're right. Imagine you didn't know which direction Fifth Avenue was. That one always perplexes me as well. Like if I'm at Broadway and I don't know which way Fifth is. What's north? What's south? Uh, yeah. And the map won't tell you because it doesn't locate you in time. So it just keeps turning and turning. <laughs> Well, y'all feel me when you're walking. That's not as big of a deal that it turns, but I do know what you mean. But in a car, it's irritating to have that map feature where uh, it's you put in the thing and you're in a parking lot and you're like, okay, it says to turn right. I'll go up here and turn right. And then I turn right. And then the whole th- map reorients itself. Yes. And it's like, I was supposed to turn left there. Why did it even show <laughs> this, that direction? Yeah. Wake up map. <laughs> So the, the interesting thing about these excellent shows was that the very first show almost got derailed because as our host is doing his time, we get word in the green room that a audience member has fainted. No, passed out, passed out yeah. of their chair and fallen backwards and needs EMT. They said, stop the show. Now, I, what were you yeah. thinking in that moment about your set? Because I was very anxious and eager to perform and I was going through my jokes in my mind because I was going to be right after that host. But I was just like, oh, good. I have some breathing room. <laughs> really? No, I didn't think that at all. I thought, okay, great. This is a sold out show, packed room. This is a this is a fairly large room too. It's t- seats 300. Um, we have somebody passed out now. And stopping the show is unusual. Mm-hmm. Like I've never had that in my entire career, had a show stopped. And so 
usually anytime there's been anything like somebody's a little too drunk or something like that they just kind of grab the person and drag them out or whatever mm-hmm. i guess this is that's help them out that, that's well we're talking about <laughs> you know those type of barroom gigs where it's like eh, you just drag them out in the alley they're belligerent this is a nice club this is a beautiful club they, they try to do things right so they they shut down the show now we didn't realize what was happening at first because the way we vicky had just gone to them and to turn up the spotlight just a little bit on max who was hosting and not more than a minute or two later, we just see the spotlight go out completely. Mm-hmm. And he's They're trying the, to signal him that right. we need to stop the show, yeah, but he, they didn't just tell him. <laughs> I know. And so... He was th- a trooper. Th- then they had to come up and, you know, they, they came to us and said, you need to tell him. Which, you know, there's way, you know, there's different ways you can do it. You can pass a note. You can just, you know, shout from off stage. He handled it very well. He just talked to them, the audience for a while, just walk them through like, hey, you know, health and safety is the most important thing. We're going to get back on track. But I was worried the show was going to get canceled. Right. He, yeah. he had to, he encouraged everybody to remain calm and stay in their seats so yes. that nobody would decide to leave because it had been a long, and it wasn't even that long that they waited for maybe the ambulance 10 minutes, to come. Maybe right. 10 yeah. And then he gave the good news that that person's going to be okay because they're on their way. And so everybody clapped. And I thought everybody was in a really great mood after that. And my theory on this is because they weren't the ones being wheeled out of there in an ambulance. Yeah. No, it's, that's true. And, you know, it's something where I think they wanted to give us a little bit extra too of like laughter and attention and hey, we want to have a good time. Yeah. Or too. maybe they're empathetic to our situation of like, yeah, hope that didn't rattle you guys. Yeah. But we're all still here to have a good time. Yeah. And yeah, I do hope that person and the friends that they came with uh, are doing fine. Um, you know, just to show that we're not like insensitive, but I really was like, I bet they all dealt, they dodged a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's well, just projection. That's just me. That's what no, I would think. The good thing Someone is, someone next to me has a heart attack. I'm like, well, it wasn't me. Yeah, they they handled all that situation very well, and so just kidding. It was, um, yeah, it was absolutely fine, and so that's a good thing, you know, to have a moment like that. If it's going to happen, that you have professionals around handling it in a professional manner, not mm-hmm. uh, complete chaos. I didn't think the show was going to get canceled. That's interesting that you were worried that it was going to get canceled. But I did start to get more uncomfortable as the comedians around me were like, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for the show? You know, then I thought, oh, no, am I going to have to get worried about something? You know, I'm really working on not getting worried about every little thing. But this is a legitimate thing to, to be concerned about. Yeah. And so, but everything worked out. Then the second show, which was also sold out, there was just a group of guys where immediately my radar went on for these guys because they were shouting out before the show had started when Max was hosting again. Uh, they were shouting out some things. And I went out and looked at them. Just college age goofy. They really, honestly, they look like, they look like high school guys. But everybody they, looks like high school now. I know, but they probably were in college and very nerdy seemed like they were drunk at least some of them were and by nerdy do you mean they all had glasses no in fact i don't know if any of them did but so what are the nerd to you oh they chinless goofy uh and it, there's a if i could think of the movie well any type of movie where you revenge see revenge of the nerds no there's revenge of the nerds which is from 40 years ago i'm talking about there's like anytime you see a movie or a television show now there's always like a nerdy guy so yeah like in not freaks and geeks but the other one um 
the McLovin, right? Yes, McLovin's kind of a, a one of those guys. Even though that's a while ago too, uh, Michael Sarah, kind of like that, but um, so not athletic and not like jock, skinny, nerdy white guys. Sure, that you know still even kind of had pimples, and so instead of being excited to be at a comedy club, mm-hmm. their excitement was coming from we're entertaining ourselves interrupting things. Yeah, we'll disrupt the show. We'll show how brave we are by speaking yeah. out of turn to try to call attention to ourselves. Yeah, it's a very teenage thing to do. Yeah. Especially if you've never oh, been to a comedy club or right. you've never been to a theater or something. Yeah, and it's it was actually kind of fun to watch them get kicked out. But the the because there's the ringleader who was trying to do the little John Chappelle show thing. Shame. What? You know, hey, yeah, you know, and just doing all of that. Okay. Yes, and it's a, you know, he's making him his friends laugh, but people around him were like, "Can I move? I don't want to be around this." You know, this is insane, because everybody else in the audience is an adult and his kids, and so to watch, they start getting different security people around them and mm-hmm. just watching almost like the secret service you know what the the security there is dressed in suits and so they're just kind of starting to surround the table Uh-oh. and these guys don't but the thing is they, they didn't weren't picking up on the cues they're mm-hmm. kind of like oh you know they, they didn't look scared they no look, they're too entitled to no, be scared absolutely but the that's where their bravery ended was as soon as they said all right you guys got to go they just got their stuff and they walked right out as they were told. Yes, sir. Yes, they did do that. Um, yeah, I think they got off easy because if they had stuck around and started to disrupt the show, then they would have gotten some a taste of, uh, what do you call it? You want some of this? <laughs> smoke? They would have got smoke. the smoke. They would have got the smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so... But or what I mean is you don't want to get shut down. It's not necessarily embarrassing to get shut down yeah. by a comedian. It's more embarrassing when the comedian says something clever and then the audience agrees with the comedian. So then you feel a whole room turn on you, mm-hmm. which is what a comedian kind of faces every time they perform. It's like, okay, now I have a whole room that could love me or hate me. But if you who are having fun heckling, then get the whole room to disagree with you. It feels very scary and bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, <laughs> It, it they were that would have happened at some point. Luckily, they were gone. They had been kicked out within the first twenty minutes of the show. That energy was gone. But overall, just a great time, and we hope to be back at Laugh Boston. It was it was a really good club. Yeah, it was really fun. Fun show. Great comics. Yeah, <laughs> Abby Crutchfield was my favorite. Yeah, which the funny thing about this whole thing was, you know, the love is a joke. This was Valentine's Day uh, week, which. Uh, comedians, I don't know if it's just us or if it's all comedians, but that holiday snuck up on me and I forgot all about it mostly. I kind of miss these holidays. Uh, we have, we said in the previous episode that our daughter was going to be off school. I had the dates wrong on that. And so now she's off school. And that's, I think that with comics, because of our schedule, maybe it's because of our schedule, maybe it's just us. But keeping track of when a weekend is and regular days, it's kind of good to have a child just to keep structure with that that's in school. We're like, oh, it's Monday. We've got to take her to school. Well, keeping track of days is one thing, but you're talking about not caring about holidays because you're we as comedians are oriented around performing when other people are having a good time. 
Yes. So when people are off, that's usually when we can be paid more, for example, New Year's Eve for a show. So typically throughout our relationship, if we're going to celebrate something, it's during the day. And sometimes it's not even on the day of the actual holiday. Well, sure. There's that. There's there's forgetting, which I have. Sometimes these things just sneak up on me. So I, you're right. I do. And you do as well. Orient things around performance. So on Valentine's Day, as an example, we performed. Mm-hmm. We performed at a, a great club here in New York City, uh, QED in Queens. And that another sold-out show that we were able to perform on together this week. And that's that's our Valentine's Day. Right. Together. Our anniversary always seems to have a gig come up for one of us. And mm-hmm. the one day I refuse to perform now is my birthday because I don't want the pressure. I used to want the, the attention. So mm-hmm. I used to, in my 20s, I liked performing on my birthday and then getting the extra woo when I remind the audience it's my special day. And then thinking for some reason that I can't get heckled because I'm having a good time up there. But, um, but now it's more like, eh, I don't want to work. I got to work another day. You know what I mean? But when it comes to, I don't know, what's another big one? I guess New Year's Eve, really. That was the one I used to love to spend with you. But when that became like a work holiday, I just I just stopped caring about New Year's Eve. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Uh, for me, there's reasons to take gigs on those dates, and there's reasons not to. So if the money is good enough, mm-hmm. I will work those days. But... Knowing that like New Year's Eve is an example where comedians, we get paid a lot more on New Year's Eve because the demand is higher and the supply is lower. Mm -hmm. But if somebody goes, I'll give you 50 bucks to go do my New Year's Eve party. No, I'm sorry. That's not what is appropriate for that. So Mm -hmm. I would turn down a gig like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Birthdays. I I perform on my birthday probably the last couple of years. I know... um, Two years ago, I think I was in Foley, Alabama doing a theater. I always think birthday. of that as a present to yourself since you love doing comedy so much. I do. Well, I, I enjoy it. Like That's the thing, too. Like You can mention it to an audience, but in, just in general, people don't care as much about your birthday as you think they will, mm-hmm. especially as we get older and older, you know. Uh, when a child turns five or six or seven, you know, it's all about them first and having surprises and all the way up through teenage years, you want to make it special for them. Parents are making it special, friends, family. Mm -hmm. But as you get older and older, it becomes less important. And it's funny to see adults that think the world should revolve around their birthday. It is funny, especially I don't, I don't know that many people our age that do that. So I was just thinking when you hit 50, if you start telling everybody it's your birthday each year, (laughs) it will be funny. Pretty cute. Wearing the crown. It's my birthday. I got a everybody. little princess tiara that says "Happy Birthday." Yep. It's yeah. Well, there's there there was somebody that uh, a friend of ours ran in contact with that was making everything about her birthday. And we're like, "How old are you? You're you know you're 25, 30." Like it's. I don't remember who did that. You have to tell me after the show. <laughs> yeah, it was just just a conflict of somebody who was upset because the they thought the the person was making their birthday. Ruined. They ruined their birthday oh, by just having a, a discussion. And it's like, people do that at work too. It's like, it's my birthday. You think your boss cares at all? It's like, oh, well, happy birthday. We'll have a cupcake at the end of the day. But guess what? You still have to do the work. Right. So you you're know. talking about people who, if something bad happens to them on their birthday, it's an extra tragedy. And you're saying, it's just, a, it's just an inconvenience. It's just a day. Just it's- because it's your birthday doesn't make it extra worse. But yeah, I get that. I, I know that mindset because it's like, I don't know what 
I don't know. People are like, this should be special. Nothing should go wrong. But it's like, it's Tuesday. Anything could go wrong. <laughs> it's supposed to go wrong. It's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. And that's it's supposed to be a crappy day. It's the beginning of the week. Yeah. And I don't have, I don't have a problem with people celebrating their birthday. In fact, I want people to celebrate their birthday. I want them to be celebrated. I want the, but. Because we're glad you were born. Yes. But there is a, there's an appropriate amount to that. And so some people make it. Uh, it's disproportionate to what the reality is. They think nothing's allowed to go wrong on my birthday. Nobody's allowed to challenge me on anything on my birthday. Uh, I should get free stuff. I should get free stuff. Uh, people do this at comedy clubs. I came to the show and it's my birthday. And it's like the comedians don't care. It's like, oh, happy birthday. But guess what? I didn't buy a ticket to your birthday. You bought a ticket to my show. Ooh, so tell that, that's how we're going to do it. We're not. <laughs> I, like, And in some ways, I don't even want a host or anybody else to ask about birthdays and holidays anniversaries and anything like who cares that's that's not what this show is about it's not about you it's about we're the ones telling the jokes to you and if you want to celebrate your birthday and make it about your birthday well dave and busters is really good at that (laughs) well i'm not gonna disagree with you there But I am going to say, I never cared that much when, an, when a host says, is anybody celebrating anything oh, tonight? I get so passionate about that. Why do you care about I, that? I just have my comedy theory. I love know. going, woo, and someone's like, I've been, it's our anniversary. Well, I don't mind that. Years. I don't mind. I'm like, wow. I don't mind a woo. That's like, great. I don't I don't mind an applause or a woo. That, there's a little difference between that and the people that come in with the balloons and the tiara. And, You're waiting and, in the wings with your arms crossed, shaking I'm your head. Like, they want this to be about them. You have a needle ready to pop that balloon. They're ready to go. It's it's her birthday. It's Jessica's birthday. It's, it's like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll do a quick, ha- we're not singing to you. I do have a little we're pet not- peeve when you do a private gig and they're like, it's John's birthday, so make sure you say something funny about him. And I'm like, I don't know that guy. Uh-uh. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, yes, you I can do the, crowd work the, and tease. personal dynamics between but, everybody. But yeah, that when when the inside jokes, it's like I don't know how to make an inside joke for you guys. And really, most all they want is like, uh, I hear this guy's uh, breaking everybody's. What's the nice way to say busting someone's chops? I hear this guy breaks a lot of chops. Busts a lot of chops. I don't here. think anybody breaks chops. <laughs> But, Let me finish this act out. I hear this guy busts a lot of chops and then they'll just like be like, he does. And that's all you need. You okay. know what I mean? That's all you really need. I could tell you're not good at doing that. <laughs> it takes me 15 minutes. 15 minutes to, you're to saying it wrong. ad lib a, cl- a, a, a very benign Everybody's observation. looking around going, breaking chops. I'm not sure what she means by that. You know how John likes to break the chops? My cousin broke his chops last month. You're insensitive. <laughs> Very, so yeah, it's you know riding a lawnmower. Yeah, it's I now I have performed at birthday parties, and there's a little different dynamic when you are being paid to come into somebody's birthday and perform for them. Then you better not do your material. No, well, I I have I have certain rules that I say for people that do ask me to do that. Is one, you can surprise the birthday boy or girl you may not surprise all of the audience. Right. Like it's not, I'm not coming into your birthday party to do 45 minutes, uh, which I always say that's a little too long anyway. I usually say 20 to 20, 30 minutes max is a good thing for a party because you can hold their attention, but they can also get back to the food and the drinks and all the 
stuff that they actually can't. That's the last thing you want is to be in the middle of telling jokes and someone tries to put a dollar bill in your belt. (laughs) They're like, okay, Mr. Comedian, Uh, when are you taking it off? I have had people try to do that. But (laughs) they, so. Have you really? (laughs) Yes, I've had people, (laughs) well, they're joking around, but they know. Right, but you're like, I'm not a beefcake. I'm not your piece of meat. So they, that's one of the things. Because what will happen is if, because everybody has the same idea. Everybody thinks they're so unique and they have the most unique ideas. They'll say, I want to surprise all my guests with a comedian. And I say, that's a bad idea because I have done that in the past. I've seen what happens. People, some people, sometimes you get lucky and everybody's into it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't. And people are kind of like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. I thought I was coming at a birthday party and now there's a comedian and he's talking to us and making jokes about us and what's happening. I kind of just don't want to be involved in this. Mm -hmm. If those guests are told ahead of time, then they at least can prepare themselves. And they also can say, Hey, I'm not into that. I'm going to leave before the comedian or I'm going to come after the comedian, whatever they can kind of I couldn't do that as a guest. I would just deal with whatever's there. Well, at least they can be prepped for it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Psychologically, they can be prepared for what is about to happen. They can go to the bathroom for 40 minutes. Yes. Um, I wonder if magicians have the same issue, because I always love seeing magicians, but do you ever think they're like, they see people crestfallen when they announce their arrival and they still have to do their tricks? So I don't know, because I don't know what a magician does at a party, but I know there's uh, some magicians I have talked to before that do, they do walk around card tricks and things like that. I've seen that so, at a wedding. So yes. it's not like everybody stop and watch him cut a woman in half here. Mm-hmm. It's card tricks. It's here. Ooh, what's this sleight of hand stuff with, I love that. Yeah. Which is fun. A comedy, the surprise thing, if you could, uh, picture it, how weird it would be to have a singing telegram dressed like a gorilla, just come in and do that for 45 minutes at a birthday party. Right. Fun fact, I once got you a singing telegram dressed like a pink gorilla yes. for your birthday. Did you remember that? I Yeah, I think it was one of our first in New York. And I think you sent it to whatever place I was working at the time. No, it was right here. Was it here? came to the house. Yeah, Not I remember because he changed it. It was here. Not this house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he changed in this hallway right down, down there. Really? Yep. Well, then, no, I guess I didn't remember it. <laughs> since I didn't have any of the details. Well, what for a coincidence. I think there was somebody sent a singing telegram to a place I worked once. Then it wasn't for me then, apparently. And it wasn't a pink gorilla. I have no idea what that I was. only remember singing telegrams in films. There's one in Beaches. There's one in Clue. There's one in Elf. But, you know. I know. And that singing telegram, the gorilla that came here, was in fact Bradley Cooper early in his career. Yeah. It, so. Even more fun fact. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about, we've, we've, we've cracked on audiences a bit, but it's time to crack on ourselves. One of the hardest things for me, and it doesn't happen often, but when it happens, I can't stand it, is blanking on stage because I don't have a cool way to do it. It immediately reveals that <laughs> whatever facade of confidence or enjoyment I was having on stage, it just goes away. And I'm like, uh... Uh, and you can see like my body language changes. I kind of like fall into myself. And if I could, if I could help the people at home kind of experience what that's like, imagine you're, you're going to your office job and you've been going there week after week for years. And about 20 minutes in, you've had your coffee, you've answered your emails. You go, what else do I do here? And then you're just like, I got nothing. It's as if you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. How do you handle it when you blank? Is it less of a big deal for you because you're not like an anxious person like I am? Maybe. Um, I 
once there's an established act that you have or, or a set of jokes that it's, I don't think it's as big of a deal because if I couldn't remember exactly what I was going to do next, I could do something else or talk to the audience for a second to, and while I'm talking to them, I can be thinking, uh, What's what is another joke I could be doing? Or well, you could even go? say that out loud of like, oh shoot, I had more I wanted to say about Cheetos, but oh well. And then you would go on to your next topic. But I'm talking about you're you're just out, you're tapped out, you can't think of what to say. Maybe you've I, never I do, had I that. I do not happen. have that anymore. Like there, that's the thing. It's yeah, like, go back to your early days and tell me what that was like. <laughs> well, it's been so long ago. It's kind of like when that singing telegram. It's like I don't have any of the details anymore to go back to. But uh, well, that's what all of the work has been to do to not blank like that or or to have fail safes if there is blanking Uh, because i do remember early on just going i don't i don't know what i was going to say and there's you don't have any other skills to right nothing to fall back back on on. exactly when you when you but that's what the whole development of a comedian is so it feels bad in the moment but honestly it's not that big it doesn't really amount to much in your comedy career. If I'm happens. out there with my junk in my hands and I don't even have junk. <laughs> Whose junk was that? <laughs> well, I remember before I even started comedy, I was reading some, you know, I was, I went to the library and took out everybody's comedy biography I could and was reading, you know, Judy Carter's comedy Bible. So I heard the term flop sweat mm-hmm. and I have done public speaking up to that point and been in plays and been on TV even. So I didn't, I couldn't relate. I was like, what is flop sweat? But, once I started stand-up, and um, I had never had dry mouth before. I had never had, like, actual sweating on stage. I had never had the thing where you're blinded by the lights, and you're like, I can't even see anything, and you have to talk about how you can't see anything. So I'm just talking about those early days where you, yeah, you're either out of material or out of jokes, or you forgot what you wanted to say. (laughs) One of my earlier experiences, I was doing my very first 15-minute set, and I said, I forgot what I was supposed to say. Or I said, where was I? And then I looked at the ground and I stepped to the side and I go, oh, here, here it was. You know, and then I mm-hmm. picked up the jokes. It worked the first show. Then that happened. I blanked again in the second show and that, that line didn't work. And yeah. I, was, I was just, oh, I felt awful. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, I, I know, actually know the gig that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was at a comedy club and it was kind of that first gig. You're getting paid to be doing... 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it was. And yeah, you don't, you didn't have the fall fall back on. You'd only been doing comedy less than a year, maybe six months. And they already had, you know, we're having you do this type of gig, which you probably, well, you weren't prepared for Yeah, You just hadn't been doing it long enough to be prepared for that. And that's true of a lot of people out there. A lot of situations is that sometimes that is the learning experience for you mm-hmm. that you gain, the ability to go through it and go, oh boy, that wasn't fun, but I'm not dead. I survived it. And it's a learning experience to along the journey mm-hmm. of something. And people probably do that in their meetings. And I don't know. People have meetings at normal jobs. Well, right? I know actors <laughs> do it on stage. Like they forget their lines. They're not off book. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, when you're an actor, I assume that you, if you forget a line, somebody can kind of prompt you and go, oh, you know, you, you normally think this, don't you, John? Or right. And they they can help you along that way. Totally, totally blanking can happen. Uh, but really, it's something that 
I, I know that I would probably just ad lib my way through. I did do a Christmas party a couple, you know, not this past Christmas, the one before. It was a terrible gig, terrible audience, terrible office party. Mm. They, it was a small group that had been there for four hours before they had brought me up. They served Ritz instead of Triscuits. They basically all wanted to go home and they just didn't understand why. And I went through an hour's worth of material in like 37 minutes, you know, just blowing through <laughs> oh, that's it. That's awful. And at some point, and they weren't really, some people were into it and some people were not at all. And so that can happen too, where you just go through the material so fast because there's just no response and you're just trying to fill noise in the room. Yes, I hate that too. So yeah, and then at the end it's like, well, I could just do ad-libbing and crowd work for another 20 minutes but why you guys just want to go home (laughs) why do that to any of us like let's just all go home i already been paid let's just all go home you know that's good that you already got paid because sometimes you don't get paid until you do your full time and if you don't do your full time you worry about getting paid um you reminded me when i had that issue of i'm running through my jokes too fast i started doing five minutes of crowd work so that i could extend the rest of my set (laughs) and that actually i forgot that i had that habit and then i worked out of that habit because i actually built jokes that would last the whole set and paced myself and was present in the moment. But um, you're also taking me back to like our early days where it wasn't an open mic. It was a booked show, but it would be in like a coffee shop or something. Mm -hmm. And I would have my set list in front of you at the table. You'd be waiting for your turn and I'd be doing my jokes and I couldn't remember. And I was like, look, what do I say next? And you'd look at me and you wouldn't say a word. You'd just shake your head and go, "Mm." yeah, (laughs) smile at me. I don't know. That would I make me so feel. mad. I'm like, just look at the paper and tell me the joke. And no. you're like, nope. No. If, look, if you want a set list, take that up on stage with you. You don't leave it for somebody else to have to shout it out. Yeah, because you, you were flustered. You were like, I'm not going to know what joke you're supposed to be telling. I know after the fact, you would explain to me, like, well, you weren't trying to punish me. You were just yeah. like, I'm sorry, I couldn't help you in that moment. But yeah, it's it's tough when you need a lifeline and you don't get one in stand-up. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's a tough one. So back to our very early point, stand-up is hard, don't do it. (laughs) Everybody should try it. Thanks for joining us today. If you had a great time, let us know on social. Follow Kid Is In School on Twitter and The Kid Is In School on Instagram. Subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Be sure to throw us one of those five-star ratings and share with your friends. Oh, and do it quickly before the kid gets home.